Hi there, it's Jillian, and I want to tell you about Jillian on Love Plus, your way to get even more Jillian on Love each week by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Patreon. You can access exclusive bonus episodes with extras, including answers to your most burning questions, advice on all things dating and relationships, and much more. Check out the link in the episode description for more information. Hi there, this is Jillian on Love, and I'm on a mission to teach people how to transform their romantic relationships by first transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you are in a relationship, you're single or heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breaths, and minds. I have now coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up for and within their love lives. Today's episode is about self-love, but more specifically, healing. And within the context of how much do we have to actually heal from our trauma and our worries and our self-love deficits, how much do we actually have to be healed in order to be a high-functioning adult in a relationship and to co-create a mature, healthy, and functional relationship with someone else? And this is the big question. Do we have to be fully healed to be in a healing, healthy relationship? I say no. However, that doesn't mean that many people at some point in their lives would benefit tremendously from taking a time out from being in a relationship to work on themselves. That's a lot of people, I think, at some point in their lives could benefit from a timeout. And that work on themselves could look like therapy. It could look like working with a coach. For some, it could look like rehab, some personal development work, et cetera, et cetera. And I would say that at the very least, if people are not willing to take time to self-reflect, particularly after the end of a challenging breakup, those are usually the people we don't want to partner with <laughs> because self-reflection is important. We all have an opportunity to become better versions of ourselves after a breakup. And it behooves us to aim to become better versions of ourselves all the time, really. But taking that time post-breakup and look, not every breakup is created equal, but the ones that kind of really shake us to the core, we need a timeout to self-reflect. And also, one thing about this whole debate about, you know, if you have to be fully healed and totally love yourself completely before you are ready to be a high-functioning adult in a relationship, the truth remains that not everyone has the same amount of healing to do. And by healing, what I mean is, Taking the time to reflect on how you feel about yourself, aka your self-worth, 
and to reflect on how your actions and behavior have sabotaged you and your relationships. Not an easy reflection, but it's in that reflection you will likely discover, just like all of us, you will likely discover the ways your childhood conditioning has impacted the choices you have made in your life, good and bad, and the feelings you have about yourself, like how you feel about yourself, can be largely determined by the conditioning that you have experienced starting with childhood. And in that self-reflective, quote-unquote, work, you will investigate how trauma may or may not be impacting you today. You'll likely explore, you know, your consistent emotional states. You know, how do you feel? I mean, we feel lots of different things. But on a consistent basis, where is your emotional center of gravity? The stories that contribute to those negative emotional states. It's like, how many negative emotions do you experience inside of one day or one week versus how many positive emotions do you experience within one day and one week? You know, you don't want to measure this when you're going through a particularly hard time. You want to do this on average. And what are those negative states and what are those positive states? Do you lean more towards depression and anxiety or more towards bitterness and anger and complaining. On the positive side, do you lean more towards just like peace and contentment or do you experience a lot of joy? You know, we can't do the self-reflective work without identifying and understanding what our emotional center of gravity is, how our conditioning may or may not have impacted that, what we can do to sort out our lives so that we can have on a more consistent basis, positive emotional states. Also, not just sort out in our lives, but sort out the stories in our head, the things that we tell ourselves, the inner verbal habits that we have, if you will, of how we talk about ourselves and how we see the world, our perspective, our beliefs. Are we cranky? You know, do we believe that everyone's out to get us or do we believe that people are inherently good? I mean, I'm just using this as low-hanging fruit examples, but there's a very big difference in the experience of the person who thinks that inherently like the glass is half full versus the person who really sees the world as the glass half empty. Those two people are going to have a very different experience of life and therefore a very different experience of relationships. And in the self-reflective work, We also have to learn how to regulate our emotional states. The point is to be able to act more consistently from our higher selves. The point is to learn how to become better versions of ourselves. Learn how to strengthen our character. We all have moments where it's kind of like a low character moment or we're, you know, acting out of character. And some of those moments are really, really intense and some of them are minimal, but we want to remove them as best as we can so that we are moving forward, living our lives, behaving within character and high character. The point is to be able to react and respond, I should say, more consistently from our higher selves and less consistently react from our lower selves, our scared selves, our ego selves. For some people, healing means they have to get sober. 
For others, healing means learning how to meet certain needs of theirs better. For others, it's learning how to assert themselves in a relationship. For others, it's learning how to have better boundaries. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. I love food. However, I don't really cook, which is a bummer because my mom was a great cook and I just didn't learn. And I've never really enjoyed it. Even though I do cook for myself sometimes, again, I don't really love it. So I decided to do Masterclass and to take a Gordon Ramsay class. And the other day, I hosted like a brunch lunch at my apartment And I'm still getting compliments about it because I actually cooked for people. Very random for me, but I made perfect poached eggs and I made eggs Benedict. And it's actually the kind that you would only get or even ever think to order in a really nice restaurant. But I made it at home and I made it for people and I got so many compliments and I was so proud of myself from following none other than Gordon Ramsay on Masterclass. Masterclass, you can really learn to become the best of the best because it's just these brilliant teachers and the way that it's filmed is so easy to learn. It's just amazing. Annual memberships start at only $10 a month and you get unlimited access to every instructor, thousands of online lessons, exclusive content, insights, and more. There's actually over 180 classes to pick from, classes ranging from communication public speaking, interior design, and and cooking. You know, some exciting instructors, like I said, Gordon Ramsay. There's Steve Martin, who I'm a huge fan of. Esther Perel, right? She's a genius, and being able to learn from her is amazing. Mariah Carey, for those of you who are interested in Gordon Ramsay. So I would just say that if you want to learn certain tools and have it broken down to you, in a way that's simple and digestible and something that you can actually put into practice and then you can feel like a pro yourself, then Masterclass is the way. I mean, you can find practical takeaways that you can apply to your life and at work. If you run a business, for example, you can actually use Masterclass to help you with your team. So that's pretty amazing. So you can gain new skills in as little as 10 minutes either on your phone, computer, tablet, smart TV, and even on audio mode to listen on the go. I love watching a lesson in two when I'm en route somewhere and I love listening to stuff when I'm on the go. So how much would it cost to take one-on-one classes from the world's best? A lot. But with Masterclass annual membership, it would only cost you $10 a month. So Get unlimited access to every class. And right now, as a Jillian on Love listener, you can get 15% off when you go to masterclass.com slash J-O-L. That's masterclass.com slash J-O-L for 15% off an annual membership. Masterclass.com slash J-O-L. So healing I believe, is an ongoing process that combines self-examination and reflection with putting into practice healthier habits that support our well-being. And that looks different for everyone. Abuse 
extreme codependency, and I put extreme before codependency because I think we all can fall into codependent habits that doesn't necessarily make us unhealthy. I think it just makes us human. But extreme codependency, substance abuse-related problems in relationship, severe abandonment wounds that make it impossible for you to be alone, if you have a history of relationships in which you have caused any harm at all, emotionally, psychologically, physically, or have tolerated any harm from others because of your actions or inaction, the more healing you have to do, the more learning of new skills you need. That's just the truth of the matter. It's, it's a really sobering moment when, for example, if you're someone who's just come out of a relationship in which it was really toxic, maybe you both treated each other just badly, maybe there was a lot of fighting, maybe there was a lot of acting out of your character moments. There's that, or there's the example of coming out of a just where you were really victimized in a relationship. There's some sort of domestic abuse or narcissistic domestic abuse. You know, when we come out of these types of relationships, either we're toxic and abusing each other and just bringing out the worst in each other, which is more common than, you know, being a victim of domestic abuse, but that happens. When we come out of these relationships, for example, and even if this is something that didn't happen within a romantic setting, but even if this happened in, in a work setting, we have more healing to do. And it's a very sobering moment to recognize that we just went through that. We just tolerated way less than we deserved. We may have just acted completely out of character where we have to look in the mirror and be like, wow, I got some work to do. But that doesn't mean you have to be working on yourself for years. It actually doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It doesn't actually mean that you're broken, although you might feel broken. But it still means that in order for you to break certain habits, in order for you to get what you deserve in life and what you want in life and in a healthy relationship, that self-examination is necessary. And a lot of people don't do it. And they keep on getting hurt and they keep on hurting others and they keep on getting miserable, and the story that they tell themselves that becomes the definition of their lives is that they're not good enough, or relationships suck, and that's the tragedy. That's the tragic story. When the true story is, yeah, maybe you've had some trauma. Maybe you had some shitty role models. Maybe you've been given everything that you've ever wanted and didn't have to work hard for anything. Who knows? And it means it's time to roll up your sleeves and learn some new skills and learn how to relate to yourself differently and others. But all that being said, we are always healing from something. Everyone has pain. And we do not need to be perfect to love. Self-worth is actually a very important part of relationship. And that's why I did, I think it's my most downloaded episode titled, How to Actually Love Yourself and Raise Your Self-Esteem. So I definitely recommend you listening to that episode. 
right after this one if you haven't already. They just work well together. I'll just say that. It's important to have a strong self-worth. And it's important to have healthy self-esteem. It's important to understand that you, me, any one of us, we are not less important or more important than anyone else. And when we think that we are less valuable than anyone else or more valuable than any other human being, we have a self-esteem issue. That being said, it's not you can only love if you love yourself. No, I mean, you can definitely love even if you struggle to love yourself. But to what degree do we struggle? Like I said, if you're really struggling to love yourself and you're looking for relationships to fill a void, you're going to have problems. If you really struggle to love yourself and as a result, you keep getting into relationships or have been in a relationship with someone who treats you like a doormat, it's a problem. I believe that two things can be true at the same time. You do not have to completely love yourself and be totally healed to be a functional adult in a relationship, but you do have to have some sort of self-love because then you're a doormat, right? Or then you're like, again, just looking to fill the void. It's an ongoing conversation. Look, you can still struggle and grapple with your value at times because the path to self-acceptance is a lifelong one and it really is filled with many bumps in the road. When we're in a relationship with someone who really sees us, who really accepts us for who we are, we learn to love ourselves more through that relationship because our self-worth can really be built relationally. Love has the power to heal. It also has the power to destroy. Again, there is this very fine line between where your self-worth and self-love needs to be in order to be in a functional relationship. I mean, if you don't believe that you are worthy of receiving attention and love and consistency and safety from someone, you'll sabotage it. So we do actually have to love ourselves, but you can still struggle. You don't have to break every bad habit. You don't have to be in love with yourself. Again, it is a lifelong process and it definitely gets easier with age of learning how to reconcile the parts of ourselves that we don't particularly like. It's like, can I see myself as having value? Can I see myself as deserving of respect, even though there are parts to myself that I don't particularly like? That's the key. In a relationship, We are also, like I said, given the opportunity to put into practice what we have learned. We get to practice in a relationship relating to our triggers differently. We get to practice transcending our egos. So this idea that you have to remain single until like everything is perfect, first of all, it's not true. And it's not an effective strategy. It's actually something more rooted in fear and perfectionism. Because at some point... Once you've done the self-reflection, you've done the work and whatever it is, the work that you think that you need to do, if you were really honest with yourself, then you really do need to practice. You need to practice messing up and apologizing and owning it. You need to practice forgiveness when someone messes up with you. 
not in an abusive way, by the way. You need to practice being vulnerable when you haven't been vulnerable. You have to practice making it about love and not your ego. You have to practice communication. You know, and I will add that, you know, everyone really is different. I have definitely told people that they need a time out from relationship. I've been like, you cannot be in a relationship. You are not in a position to be in a relationship. And then I've also told people you need to get off your butt and get into a relationship already. So in addition to my episode, how to actually love yourself and raise your self-esteem, I wanted to share with you some other tools and steps to take to strengthen the relationship you have with yourself. Because ultimately, healing is about strengthening relationships. And it begins with the one that we have with ourselves. So number one, keep promises to yourself. This is huge. I even just recently this week recognized, I was like, oh, like, I realized there was something that I told myself that I was going to do. It wasn't something that I was going to do for someone else. It's something that I was doing for myself. And I kept on like saying I was going to do it this day and not keeping my promise to myself. And I realized it made me feel not good about myself. It's like the negative self-talk that came up from just not keeping a promise to myself. Like on the one hand, you can say, well, give yourself a break. Yeah, for sure. But there is something really powerful in keeping promises. And because think about it, when you're in a relationship with someone and they break a promise, it feels like a betrayal. It's like all of a sudden you're like, you think to yourself or you feel, I can't trust this person entirely. And you start to look at them differently. Keeping promises is very, very important relational skill. And it begins with ourselves. This episode is brought to you by Miracle Made. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? I mean, I know for me, if I'm too warm in any way, I do not sleep. And if you wake up too hot or too cold... I highly recommend you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. So these sheets are inspired by NASA. And it uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. This is very exciting to me because, again, I'm very sensitive to temperature. And if I am too warm at all, I have insomnia. Did you know, by the way, that traditional bed sheets, kind of gross, but can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? I mean, when I learned that data, it was really grossed out. So it can lead to acne, allergies, and stuffy noses. And again, it's just gross. Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding, such as sheets, pillowcases, and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and require three times less laundry. It's self-cooling properties for better quality sleep. It's self-cleaning and it's luxurious comfort and quality. Miracle sheets are very comfortable without the high price tag of the average luxury brand. And they feel is nice, if not nicer than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Not kidding. And it's designed for your skin. So stop sleeping on bacteria. Because it can clog your pores, causing breakouts, and it can also make your nose very stuffy. So sleep clean with Miracle. So go to trymiracle.com slash Jillian. 
to try Miracle Made sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo Jillian at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash Jillian and use the code Jillian to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Jillian to treat yourself. Number two. Apologize to someone if you need to. One of the things that I really like about the 12-step program, I've never actually been in a 12-step program, but I have definitely been in relationship with people who are in 12-step programs and have friends who are, and I've actually been to an Al-Anon meeting before. So I'm pretty well versed in it. And one of the things that I really like about it. I don't remember what step it is. It might be step four, but please forgive me if I get this wrong. Anyway, I believe that it is step four where it's making amends, where you have to make amends to the people that you've hurt. And look, not everyone owes someone an apology, so I'm not suggesting that. But if you do, even if it's an acknowledgement of something very small, taking accountability and therefore strengthening our bonds with others is incredibly affirming for our self-esteem and self-love. It puts us into the driver's seat of our lives. It makes us the conductor of our lives. And that, like I said, is very affirming. And it's a really important life skill and relationship skill to be able to apologize. Number three, this is something that I've heard a couple of people do, and I've done this before, and I I remember when I interviewed Lewis Howes, he mentioned doing this, and I have done this as well. And this is going to sound kind of uncomfortable for some of you, but I've just have found it to be tremendously impactful, and my clients who have done it have found it tremendously impactful, so I want to share it here. Put a picture of yourself as a child. And you can choose the age somewhere where you can see it daily and look at it daily so that you remember to connect to, quote unquote, your inner child. You learn how to connect to yourself because inside of you, that's part of who you are. And I think that we have such a hard time having compassion for ourselves as adults. But it's a lot easier to have compassion for a child. And we forget that we have a history. Some of us have been through a lot. And even if we haven't been through a lot, we've still been through a lot because it's just life. And I think that when we are reminded of our innocence and we are reminded of our vulnerability and naivete, we can have a lot more compassion for ourselves. And having compassion for ourselves is a huge piece of the pie of self-love and self-worth, self-esteem. And so rather than just imagining your inner child or imagining yourself as a child, 
to visually see yourself as a child every day, to keep that photo close to you as if you are reminded that you are the protector of that photo and of that child in the photo is incredibly strengthening and I cannot recommend it enough. Number four, watch your self-talk. I've talked about this before. When I started to put into practice the mindfulness and the awareness to notice when I am being nasty to myself, it was quite alarming. And because it's so sneaky, it's very sly, and it's not like you have to be badgering yourself. Oftentimes we talk about being in toxic relationships and in abusive relationships where someone calls you a name or someone says you're stupid or someone is dismissive of you. If you were in a relationship with someone and they were treating you like that, first of all, you would think that you were being abused or you would be so hurt. And if it was a friendship, you wouldn't keep that person as a friend. I know that it might sound cliche, but we really do need to speak to ourselves the way that we would want to be spoken to by another person. And we really need to be talking to ourselves the same way we would be talking to that picture of the child or how we would talk to our best friend. And so how we talk to ourselves determines our level of self-respect. And we need to be talking to ourselves with more respect because when we do, we will be much more inclined to demand that respect from another. We will be much more inclined to have that boundary set inside of a relationship, regardless of what the nature of that relationship is, that says that in order for us to participate in that relationship, we need to be spoken to with respect. And it starts with how we talk to ourselves. Number five, I believe that a recipe for misery and included in misery is just not feeling good about ourselves is when we put our focus primarily on needing to be in control and feel in control, aka certainty, and we put our focus primarily on the need to feel validated and important. Now, it is important to have a certain level of certainty in life. It's important to feel like we can focus on things that we can control. If we have no certainty in life, we have utter chaos. I believe it's important to feel validated sometimes by others. I believe validation from people is important. I believe that feeling important and special is important. But if we put those two needs, the needs to feel, you know, safe and in control and the need to feel important, which is really the need of the ego, but it's still important. If we put those two needs as the top needs that define our lives, and we make those two needs more important than our need to help others, to love others, to connect with community, to grow and to work on ourselves. If we put those two needs more important than fun and having an adventure and stepping outside our comfort zones, we will suffer. Life becomes a lot more fulfilling when. We focus on giving back, we focus on connection and love, and we focus on adventure. 
That does not mean that we don't have any focus on security because we need security. It doesn't mean that we don't have any focus on trying to feel relevant in the world and important. It just means that those two needs are not the only needs that we're focusing on. And one thing that I can say with utter certainty is that every single time I have gone through a very hard time in my life that didn't have to do with something traumatic happening, it just more was just like my perception of what was happening. It wasn't like I was going through the divorce or anything like that or my mom dying. And every single time I've worked with someone, every single time I've worked with someone who just, I don't know, perfected the art of being miserable or unhappy or low self-esteem, they were focusing on needing validation from others and they were under-focusing on community, connection, love, giving back, and having some sort of adventure. What you can do to evaluate your own life is to see where have you been putting your focus? Have you been living your life recently like a control freak, needing to control everything in your life to the last detail, needing to know what's happening next, controlling others? Have you been focusing so much on achievement and trying to get outside validation and everything of the ego? Have those been the two driving, motivating forces of your life? And if so, where on that totem pole, where on that hierarchy has been community, giving back, love, connection, and taking the necessary risks to step outside of your comfort zone and to grow? And if you switched it around, I know, I guarantee there's going to be a huge increase in your self-esteem and you might need help doing that. But first, write it down. Like, if you have been under-focusing on the contributing, on the love and connection and community, on stepping outside your comfort zone and growing, brainstorm ways in which you can start to make those things more important and more of a focus in your life. Start to get resourceful and think about that. Do you need to volunteer somewhere? Do you need to Try that new project. Do you need to make more time to connect with certain friends or family members? Do you need to build a community or join a community? All of these things might be kind of uncomfortable and they might be things that you say, yeah, yeah, I'll do tomorrow. But that takes me back to lesson number one, keep promises to yourself. Say you're going to do it and do it. And I guarantee it'll help. And I really, if you do it, please let me know. Like email hello at jillianonlove.com and let me know. This episode is brought to you by AG1. It is a daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I gave AG1 a try because I don't like taking a bunch of supplements and I felt like I needed some extra support, nutritional support, just for my well-being, just better gut health, hair, skin, and nails, better sleep. And I much prefer to drink my vitamins. I drink AG1 in the morning, and it makes me feel, I have to say, a lot more energized. And it really makes me feel like I'm doing something very good for my body, like it's actually giving myself the nutrition that it craves. 
And like I said, it's really hard to keep up with a supplement routine. I really don't like it. Also, you just don't even know where these supplements are made. So using AG1 just makes my life so much easier. And since I've been drinking AG1, I've noticed an overall feeling of just better vitality. So like I said, like hair, skin, and nails, better better quality of sleep, and just more energy. And that's really what I wanted. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in just one simple drinkable habit. So why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder in water once a day? AG1 was designed with ease in mind, and it's science-driven formulations of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients. So why complicate your routine and have to think about taking a bunch of supplements when you can just easily take this one a day? I'm always looking for ways in which I can improve my nutrition easily, and that is why I've come to love and trust AG1. My AG1 is delivered to me every month, so that makes it super easy to make it into a daily habit. I also get the single-serving AG1 travel pack, so I never have to miss a day. I just mix the powder into water and drink it first thing in the morning, and that's it. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Love. That's drinkag1.com slash Love. Check it out. Okay, number six, move your body every day. I don't care if that's a walk. Maybe it's lifting weights. Maybe it's yoga. Maybe it's dancing. Maybe it's running. Maybe it's swimming. Maybe it's a cartwheel. And maybe, like I said, it's just a walk. Move your body every day. It is so important. It's important for circulation. It's important for our mental health. It clears the mind. It clears our skin. It clears our lymphatic system. So do it every day. On the days where I don't have time to really, quote unquote, work out or do yoga, at least I take a walk. So if you have a body that can move, move it. Even if you're just doing stretching at home because you don't have the time or maybe you're ill or whatever it is, stretch. Breathe and stretch every day. And then number seven, I believe that every single person has a creative part to them. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone has an artist inside of them. Now, that doesn't mean it's the kind of artist where you can paint and draw. I really believe, and I know this to be true, that most people on this earth are walking around with untapped creative energy. And every single person who I've worked with who has struggled to feel fulfilled in their life, every single one who had that particular problem had a creativity, a creative artist within them that they did not know how to tap into. And once they did and started to express that part of themselves in the world, life really changed for them. And some people are searching for that their whole lives. And the most powerful way to really tap into that creative energy or to discover what that creative energy is, 
I would imagine some of you listening to this may know this book. It's called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And in that book, what she says is that you must write every single morning within 30 minutes of waking because you want your subconscious mind to be more powerful, to be more in the forefront. And that's what happens when we wake up. Wake up, go to the bathroom, get your glass of water, get your coffee and go right to journaling. Write three pages. Do not attempt to write coherent sentences. Just get everything out. And there are going to be lots of days where you're writing scribble and it doesn't make any sense. And there'll be lots of days where you're getting out a lot of anger and emotional things that have been stuck inside your brain, inside of you. And then there will be days where there will be things that come out of you that are creative. But the bottom line is that when we empty our brain of all the neurosis that we experience and all the difficulty that we experience inside our heads, we free up our energy. And it's in that freedom that we start to tap into something creative. This is not woo woo BS. This is very, very real. This is what writers do for writer's block. And it's just been tremendous. And every time I get out of the habit of doing it, I really notice a big difference. So just saying this, I'm going to make a promise to myself to do this. So every morning, and you can get the book, The Artist's Way, Julia Cameron. So there you have it. Keep promises to yourself. And you can start like right away. Start with one of these steps, you know, like don't overwhelm yourself with all of these. But whatever really sticks out to you the most is what I would focus on for the next 30 days and see what happens. That's it. I'll give you that 30-day challenge. Number one, keep promises to yourself. Number two, apologize to someone if you need to, even if you're apologizing sincerely about something very small. Put a picture of yourself as a child somewhere where you can see it daily and just love that person in the photo. Watch yourself talk and start talking to yourself with self-respect. Number five, if you've been focusing on control and validation and significance, start to focus more on love, contribution, on connection, on stepping outside your comfort zone. Six, move your body every day and seven. Start to tap into an untapped creativity inside of you. And you can do that with the journaling. Anyway, so that's it. Do you actually have to love yourself and be completely healed to be in a relationship? And that's the topic for today. And I would love, love, love to hear from you. I would love to hear what you thought of this, how it's helped. I'd love to hear if you put this 30-day challenge into practice. Reach out to me and the team at hello at jillianonlove.com. And one thing that I know for sure is that there's an epidemic right now, and it's an epidemic of low self-esteem. And so share this episode. Share it with as many people as you think could just get some glimmer from this of hope and motivation and reassurance And you just never know whose life you could be changing for the better by just clicking share. I appreciate you. Until next time. Jillian on Love is a Q-Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Shin Yin Hu. Editing and music by Will Tendy. Just checking in and seeing if you might want to step away from the noise of the world for just a moment and connect back. 
to you. If so, join me on my podcast, Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion, where we'll explore mindfulness, self-love, and personal growth as I share practical insights and tools to hopefully help inspire you to start to take charge of your mental and emotional well-being. Search for Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. Are you ready for the ultimate Love Island experience? Join us on After the Island. We're going back to where it all began, Fiji. Love Island USA Season 5 is making a splash on Peacock right now. And guess what? Your favorite recap show is back, too. Welcome to After the Island. Join us as real-life besties and co-hosts, Elizabeth and Alex, as we deep dive into each sizzling episode of Love Island USA. We'll spill the tea, interview contestants, answer fan questions, and give you unprecedented behind-the-scenes access to the wildly popular world of Love Island. Don't miss a single moment of the drama, romance, and unforgettable island vibes. Listen to After the Island on any streaming platform.